The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program, everyone. Great to have you all along as we start another week. I know last night was the official beginning of the week for us, but we ran a uh, pre-recorded. It's not a pre. It was a best of show. I'm not, I don't remember the date of that, but it was a great show. Uh, Rick Wagner is a very interesting guy. In fact, uh, listening to it last night, I really want to get him back on the show, so I've reached out to him. Hopefully, we can get him back. I'd like to revisit that conversation. Some pretty cool stuff going on there. Uh, I do want to remind people, if you're a Twitch subscriber and you used your Amazon Prime account to subscribe for free to to uh, my the uh, JV Johnson Twitch channel that has to be renewed every month it, it only lasts for a month and then you have to s- just do it again so i notice a few subscriptions dropped off and i'm assuming that's what happened that some people use their amazon prime account and it just has to be renewed very easy to do just like you did it the first time and um, and go ahead and and do that we want to get those subscription numbers up so thank you for doing that and also same thing with youtube uh youtube is a great platform for us. We've got a great following there. And if you're listening to the show as a podcast, you want to find the YouTube channel, just be part of our community there. Go to YouTube and subscribe. It's just JV Johnson. Uh, It's actually JV Johnson's Beyond Paranormal, but you can find it by uh, searching for JV Johnson. We've got enough of a presence that it comes up pretty quickly. Uh, We've got like 600, 500. I don't know. I, I, I throw numbers out, but I know it's over 500, maybe close to 600 back episodes of the program there. And everyone is entitled to watch those. There's no fee or anything. We uh, encourage people to, t- to take advantage of those back episodes, plus uh, some bonus content that's there as well. And the podcast, uh, by the way, is a great way to listen to the show. It allows uh, you to subscribe and have everything downloaded to your phone regu- uh, you know, automatically, so you don't have to even think about it. It's right there for you. So as soon as we post the podcast version of, of the show, which is usually the next morning, the morning after the live broadcast, it's there for you in case you missed it. And then if you didn't miss it, well, you don't have to listen to that podcast version. You can uh, just wait for the next one. So uh, you can find the podcast on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Look for Beyond Reality Paranormal. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. As I mentioned earlier, when I couldn't get a hold of our original guest that was scheduled for tonight, Devin Hunter, Slick Eddie was having trouble getting responses. We contacted uh, a friend of ours and a friend of a friend. Of course, you know Joshua Warren's a great uh, guest here on the show. Christian McLeod, and um, schedule him to come on in place of Devin. But then Devin ended up contacting us, said he was all set. So we rescheduled Christian to come on Thursday night. And as you know now, and as we all know now, Devin, uh, although he was set, was not ready for the program tonight because he had an issue. So we were fortunate enough to go back um to Christian here and get him on tonight. And and I think we're going to have him here uh, tonight and then also continue our conversation on Thursday night. But um, Christian, thanks so much for for being available. Such a last minute thing here. Uh, You're bailing me out quite a bit, but I also know you have a lot of really interesting things to talk about. So I'm excited to have you on. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to be on. Thank you so much for having me. And as a Blondie fan, there's nothing wrong with having a little Debra Harry on. Exactly. I mean, she her parents up until very recently owned a little shop on Main Street here in Cooperstown, um, which is where I live. And um, you know, she, she's kind of a local hero. Uh, I don't think she's been back since she became popular. But hey, I mean, a lot of people do. A lot of people uh, make. You know, it. you know what's funny is I remember seeing a documentary on Blondie, like how they started CBGBs. Yep. And then like they showed a picture of Debbie Harry in her. I think it was Cooperstown or Cooper's high school band uniform. Oh, really? And it's just kind of funny because you see her, and then three years later, she's 
Blondie. Oh, that's pretty cool. It just kind of makes, yeah, it yeah. was actually kind of cool. I just wanted, I just remembered that out of the blue. That but, is, uh, that's again, actually thank you neat. for having me. Well, uh, yeah. And, you know, that's just the way, you know, sometimes uh, fortune favors the foolish, and I am pretty foolish. So well, here, here well, we are. I'm not, I don't know about foolish, but you've certainly been accommodating. Um, we had another instance uh, no uh, here where we were trying to get you to fill in, and I don't remember what happened with that particular time, but it didn't work out. And uh, then today, and here you are. So, um, you know, I, I'm not that familiar with your work, and uh, I haven't no had, haven't had a chance well, to I, uh, study up oh, on. What, no, it's okay. I haven't had a chance to study up on what we were going to talk about Thursday night. But I know that you uh, you've studied uh, cryptids and you studied uh, paranormal phenomena, and you are, I believe, in the Asheville, North Carolina area, right? Yes, I am. I uh, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and I am the director of the Asheville Cryptid and Paranormal Society. And uh, we're also starting a newer branch of that right now, and it's going to be the American Cryptid and Paranormal Society. And I'll tell you, the truth of the matter is um, when we, we started, uh, we did, I guess you could say, underground research uh, and investigation uh, for years. And the reason why we, uh, we never really came out and publicly um, stated, you know, we do this and that, and uh, simply because, uh, well, there was two reasons. One, uh, of course, the ridicule, you don't want your name synonymous with, oh, look, there's a Bigfoot guy or there's the ghost guy or there's the guy, you know, Spooky McLeod. Uh, that was a nickname <laughs> I, I got in I like college it. when I was finishing up my master's. And uh, I, so I always kind of kept it uh, on the low, if you will. But it's actually kind of an interesting story uh, on why I decided to, to start my own investigation um, organization. I was having... Uh, uh, as you know, one of, we have a very good friend in common. I don't know if uh, I can use his name on on air. Is that going to be an issue? I don't think so. Not unless you're in prison. No, no, no. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about the the Wizard of Weird himself, the one, the only Joshua P. Warren. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a dear friend. He's a brother. Uh, I love the guy to death. Uh, wouldn't uh, be doing this without him, to be honest with you. And uh, we we uh, we used to talk all the time and. He would say, you know, he he tried to convince me to go out and, uh, you know, be more vocal about the things I've researched and the and the uh, the uh, information I've gathered. And my biggest thing, to be honest with you, is I never wanted to be that guy that didn't have the credibility. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when when you um, when you see these guys with their, you know, uh, that are on the TV shows and they look like, you know, they're been wearing the same clothes for 10 years and there's no, you know, cognitive responses in their questioning. I never wanted to be listed with one of those. Does that make sense? I'm not, I'm I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I always wanted my cryptid research and my paranormal research to be taken seriously. And one thing that I thought that could bring credibility to the whole cryptid paranormal, and I just use Cryptid is an undiscovered life uh, form. That's any kind of life form. I consider aliens cryptids, so I'm just using it as a blanket term, if you will. Okay, so let me just make sure. That's okay. Let me just make sure I understand. When you use the word the term cryptid, you're talking about any mm-hmm. kind of any life form that isn't necessarily cataloged. Cataloged, uh, cataloged or discovered or openly admitted to existing. Yeah. Right. So therefore, uh, Bigfoot, the, Loch Ness monster, Dogman, and again, I put aliens in that category simply because, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, they're an undiscovered life form. That That's that's how we do it in, in our realm. So, and then so what the if, supernatural... What, no, I'm hope, sorry. No, it's okay. What if um, some people think aliens are interdimensional? Some people think that uh, Bigfoot is interdimensional. Do they still qualify as cryptids if they if they turn out to be interdimensional? I, well, I suppose I would, they would, right? I have to... This is where Josh and I always disagree. I have no problem uh, with with leaving maybe a, a 2% margin of error that uh, Bigfoot could be interdimensional. It's just I'm not buying that. I just I think he's a, an undocumented uh, North American wood ape. Okay. Uh, that's my personal belief on that. That's fair. And uh, as far as interdimensional, uh, could there be interdimensional aliens? Of course. That, to me, could be, you know, that's a possibility. And then, you know, I mean, you have a string theory and all these different uh, – possible earths or things like that of course you know that that realm of possibility is over there but in in my personal you know mantra i don't think that uh any cryptids are 
uh, interdimensional that we speak of frequently, like uh, you know, again, a dog man, Sasquatch, um, the lizard man, things like that. Chupacabra, Jersey Devil. All that's those? just again, that's just my personal take on it. Right. Um, I've I've had reports in the past where people say, well, you know, these footprints just disappeared. And then, you know, you get to talking to them, and the first thing I ask, were, were there a lot of trees around? Oh, yeah, there's trees all over the place. Well, you know, then in my opinion, what, it, it, you know, if it is a Bigfoot, I, I firmly believe they're very good in the trees, and they can go uh, from the ground to the tree tops pretty quickly. So that's always been my uh, experience. Is there's always been some kind of explanation as to where they could have gone. And, you know, some people, I've had other reports where, like, you know, these footprints went to uh, the side of a cliff and then they disappeared. Well, is it, was it possible to climb a cliff? Oh, yeah, probably. But, you know, it's just things like that. It's, and and every, every case is always situational, you know. And, and that's, that's why I never want to be one of the guys to say, oh, that's impossible. Because, you know, we're dealing with, we're dealing with the, the impossible all the time. I mean, is it, if you ask the average person if, if they believe in Bigfoot, they're probably going to say, oh, that's impossible. Or what are aliens possible? You know, I think I just saw a poll that 65% of Americans believe the aliens are real now. Is that, I think that was yeah, what it was. I, I think that's, so, that's, that's the number somewhere around there. And I think, I think what you find, and maybe this is your experience as well, but I think what I have found is that everybody, uh, you know, you'll get, you'll get all sorts of people denying something, whether it's flat earth, whether it's Bigfoot, mm-hmm. whether it's ghosts, whether it's aliens, whatever. But every one of those people has one thing that they'll say, well, I'm not so sure about that. That, I think, is real. So, you know, everybody will can can doubt a whole bunch of things. But then again, almost everybody has at least one thing that they they may defy logic with, if, if that's the way to put it. They may... And no, uh, and you're right. You're very right. But that one thing opens up the door for all these other things. Well, that's the so key. You- that's the key. If they if they can put, you know, they can suspend their disbelief for a moment to believe in this one thing. Why is it so hard for them to do it with all these other things? At least have an open mind because, about it. Because it's it's the way you know what it's the way they they perceive reality. You know, I my uh, my training is you know uh, I was a very scientifically method, uh, very scientific method kind of guy. Right, and uh, that's how I apply. I apply that to the way I do my research. Um, when uh, when we do paranormal investigations, nine times out of ten, if, if we're getting called in to investigate something, it's usually to debunk it. And you know, this is something I, I say a lot uh, when uh, when I do my my tours and things like that. Ninety nine point nine percent of all alleged paranormal slash supernatural activity can be explained. However, there's that little 0.01%, that little area I call the X-Files. That's where we are. And sometimes you can move that 0.01 as a standard deviation either way to the right or left to make it good in your favor, but it can't be explained either way. And that's where you have the real questions. What is it? How did it happen? Is it going to come back? What made it happen? You know? And and that's where the questions really start because what did you see? You know, what was going on when you saw it? You know, did you feel fear? Did you feel contempt? What was there a terrifying presence? You know, things like that. And that's where we start to dig in and, and really do our investigations. That's how we um get that baseline. So if we have a, another report that's similar, we ask the same kind of questions. So we try to always do a uh, like a we always try to get a baseline first, and then we'll start asking the real obscure, strange questions. And sometimes those obscure, strange questions are where you get the real information, particularly uh, when you're doing cryptid investigations, because sometimes the cryptid stuff is the weird, weird the really weird out there stuff because it's just not explainable. And that's that's just kind of what we do, and and what our organization does. Uh, Asheville Crypto and Paranormal Societies, we try to help people. Uh, we don't charge anything if someone calls and asks us and says, hey, we're having some issues on our property. You can come take a look at this. And we find evidence that may indicate that there could be some kind of cryptid activity. We try and help them. We try and help them out as far as giving them some advice on what could deter them, um, what could uh, you know make them not want to come around, things like that. Um, we're uh, definitely... 
in uh, the no-kill. Uh, there's a lot of uh, cryptid researchers out there that think that they need to kill something and bring it in. Yeah. And uh, that's, yeah. And you know what? That's a fool's errand. And if I may be so bold, that is – and here's why I think that's just ridiculous. One, let's just say you get a group out there uh, – We'll just call them a bunch of Rudy Earls. We get some Rudy Earls out there, and they What'd you call go them? out hunting Bigfoot. What do you call them? Rudy Earls. I have never heard that word. I don't even know that's what just that word That's is. just my little, my little nickname for the guy. How do like you that. spell that word? <laughs> is there a spelling? And, and, and they go out and, and you know, uh, basically kill a Bigfoot. Okay? And I, I'm a firm believer Bigfoot's are real. I, I think there's a breeding population. I think there's a whole lot more of them than what most people realize. And um, let's just say they go out and kill one. Well, if they actually think they're going to get that body out of the woods or the forest or wherever, mm -hmm. they, that's impossible. The other thing is if you don't think there's going to be some kind of organization all over you in about a half hour, you're insane. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of things you just said there. I'm assuming that yeah. the first point you made about – first of all, before I ask the question, I just want to clarify a couple things. I got some people asking sure. some questions in chat. Uh, we originally were scheduled to talk about Modern Witch tonight with uh, Devin Hunter. Devin uh, had a last-minute conflict. We are now talking with Christian McLeod, and we're talking about his paranormal investigations, research, and experience. So I just want everybody to be clear on that if people are looking for uh, a discussion about witchcraft. That won't be tonight. Anyway. I, I know a little bit about witchcraft, but not enough to get me in trouble. So, I mean, I, I could well, we got, I, I just yeah, I we, can defer on that. We've got plenty of other things to talk about. And I yeah, want to uh, clarify two points you just made. When you said... Um, you know, if, if these if this this group of people went out into the woods and actually encountered a Bigfoot and killed it, you said the likelihood that they'll make it out of the woods is slim. Do you mean because other Bigfoot creatures would stop them? I that's one reason. Yes. Um, and then the second you know, point you, ever, you made. You and remember then, the first on. Jurassic Park? Yeah. Hold on a second. They, and then the second yes, point. Sir. The second point yeah. you made was if they were lucky enough to get out of the woods with the body, mm -hmm. that they would be descended on by. I'm not even sure what, what word you use, but basically what I, you implied was government agencies. I never used the word government. You didn't, but that was the impression I got. Is that what but you were talking is, about? That is the impression I was trying to give you. Yeah. yeah. So you believe two two things, though, that are very, very important, which uh -huh. may explain why you know this has been so elusive. One is that the Bigfoot population wouldn't let you take a, a body out. And secondly, if you, were, if you were lucky enough to do that, you would have uh, some type of men in black type intervention that would prevent you from doing what you were trying to do anyway. So there's, I mean, the, the odds are stacked against you pretty much. I don't think it'd be, I honestly don't think it would happen. I think one or the other would get you. I'm a firm believer unless uh, there's a lot of Bigfoot theories about uh, rogue males. Um, that, you know, everyone seems to think they run in family members. Oh, are they running family packs or, right. you know, and there's always an alpha male. And if you get like a, say just hypothetically, you get a deposed alpha male and he's older and maybe he's injured and he can't run as fast or he can't capture food as easy as he used to. And he goes rogue and maybe he attacks some people. Something happens hypothetically. And, or he's seen and a group of what I like to call Rudy girls go out there and they shoot him. All right. That might be a circumstance in which there would be no other retaliation from under the members of the tribe. But that would be rare, in my opinion. What I think, and again, this is just what I think, and I can't prove this, my friend. This is just my, uh, my research and, and just my own deductions over the last 24 years of research that I've been doing on this. I think that what would happen is if you did kill one, or if anyone did kill one, they tend to run in groups. And you might see that one there, but you don't see the four or five that are surrounding you. And would those four or five scoop up the the body of the one that was killed and run off yes. with it? Is that what you're thinking? I, so I you would be able would. to find the body. I, I believe they would. Yeah, because we don't have any, I, we yeah. don't have many stories of people that have actually claimed to have killed one and been in possession of the body and then had it stolen from them from an um, you know other Bigfoot creatures. Right? I don't know of any stories. I've like heard. That. I know of one. Once I heard, well, actually, to to just to just say this and give it the proper, you know, um, amount of time and, and and analogy, we have to understand that in in my belief system and in the belief system of different people, there's uh, basically four different types of Bigfoot. Now, 
the first one would be the patty type. And by me patty type, that would be from the, uh, the, you know, the Patterson Gimlin film. And that would be, that's usually the largest one with the big conical head. The re, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yep. You remember Patty? Sure. Of course. Okay. That'd be Patty. Patty types tend to be the biggest, but they also tend to be the most intelligent. In other words, Usually if they see people, they're the first ones out of there. Um, and these are also the same type Sasquatch layer. Like if you hear that there was a kid lost in the woods and a big furry gorilla helped them get to his tent, that's usually a patty type. Okay. They tend to be non-aggressive. They're not cannibalistic. There's no real bad uh, violence uh, associated with them. Mm -hmm. There can be, but there usually isn't. The type twos are more like your chimpanzee types. Now, these are the types that are highly aggressive. They're not as big as the patty types. Patty type can be anywhere from 7 to 10 foot tall. Okay. Uh, you usually get reports for type 2s. They're around 8 to 9 footers. I mean, that's still huge and massive, but they're not well, as big seven, as patty types. 7 to 10 and 8 to 9 are kind of yeah. all the same there, isn't it? It's pretty cool. I mean... Eight... Well, yeah, but, um, you know, the 10 foot males usually get bigger, but, you know, the females tend to be, you know, and that's just the reports we've gotten. Again, this is all uh, just based on, on reports that have been given to us over the years. Okay. So there's, there's, you know, you, you have to, I don't want to see suspension disbelief, but there has to be like a standard error that you kind of have to build in. Because I've had a report of a patty type, actually, I didn't take this personally. It was told to me seven, uh, secondhand that uh, there was a, uh, uh, a researcher in Alaska that recorded an alleged 14-foot type 1. And 14, I just can't even imagine that. 14 feet tall? Yes. Wow. And about 7 feet wide. I mean, that's just massive. So, that I mean, is I can't yeah, even that's that. that's that is monstrous. Uh, even that, more that, so that, to me, that is that that is a monster. I mean, that, you might as well be King Kong at that point. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. <laughs> but like I said, the Type Twos they tend to be more aggressive, and then you know you have your Type Threes, which I'm not a big believer in the Type Threes. Um, some people think Type Threes would be what you call the Dog Man or the Beast of Seven Shoots, but they tend to be. Um, plantar grade they have a plantar grade foot like the type ones and the type twos but they have an elongated snout um they kind of look baboonish okay um mm -hmm. they're also that you know they, they in different native american tribes have different names for them some are uh Genosqua, some are called gugwees things like that so that that would be like your type three and your type four would be what you'd call a relic hominid how how tall so are, how tall are the type threes Again, the type threes, they're about eight to nine. Uh, it, it, again, it depends. A lot of it's regional. Usually um, the higher uh, they are up north, the, the bigger they tend to run, much like bears. Uh, they, you know, and I do a lot, when I was doing my research, I, I, I tried to correlate um, a lot of habits that bears have uh, with cryptids, with the exception of the hibernation, simply because of the size. Because um, my thought process for that was, if this, you know, 500-pound black bear or, or, you know, 400-pound black bear needs the X amount of calories, and then you extrapolate, say, it's a 1,200-pound North American primate, so he's going to need triple that, you know, where would this guy go? And then maybe you can find an area uh, that would be suitable for a primate of that size. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, that it does. Just, I, I, uh, I, I, I had. One of the things I'm trying to determine here, are you suggesting that reports of a creature that has been called dog man – um, or canine man. I mean, there have been some different names used for. Are you suggesting that's a bigfoot? Are you suggesting that's a bigfoot creature? No, uh, quite the opposite, my friend. I'm I'm suggesting I'm I'm blatantly saying that's a whole different creature. Oh, okay. I have seen uh, a dog man. You have uh, twice. Oh, I well. have seen physically seen a dog man twice, and I assure you that is a whole different ball game that is that is a different creature and uh totally i believe that's a uh an offshoot of something called the xenocephali okay and uh we can talk about that in a minute if yeah, you want I'd to actually, I, I, we'll, I, we'll see if we want to get to that because i do want to i want to save some of this conversation for when we pick this up on thursday night too um Not I, don't think, a problem. I don't think we've ever had um, one guest twice in a week that's going to be interesting but um it's... i'm honored I have to admit, I'm honored. I'm, you <laughs> well, know, you've earned is, it. You've earned it. Great. You've earned it. So um, I, I just want, but I want to get back to this Bigfoot discussion here yes, because sir. you know one of the problems people have, and when we say that you know people should be a little more open minded when we're having these conversations, at least be willing to listen to the evidence instead of outright dismissing the uh, possible existence of these creatures. But one of the problems that they have, and it's a really difficult one to overcome, and maybe you've got an answer for it, but we can never find any evidence 
physical remains of a of a Bigfoot creature, whether it's a carcass, whether it is a skeleton, a skull, or even just a bone that we, um, and I know there's been some gray area here about DNA testing, but, um, you know, that we could without question say this is not from a creature that we can identify, yet it has the right size to be from a skeleton of what we know to be a 10-foot tall creature. Well, I mean... Let, I, let me let's take this at a three prong attack here. Let's go back in, into ancient antiquity. All right, Gigantopithecus roamed uh, the, the the Chinese uh, rainforest for hundreds of thousands of years. Yet we only have five or six complete skulls, and most of those are just from jaws. All right. So what happened to their fossil record? All right, we don't know. But here's what I think. And again, this is what I think. I think these creatures have burial rights. Some of them have burial rights. Mm-hmm. In other words, I think if a type one has a, a member of their tribe and something, uh, let's just say a nefarious act happens to them and, and they are no longer with us, I think they get buried. I think they have a specific burial right. Now, the type twos, I think that's where you get your cannibalistic histories from. In other words... I have I have read uh, firsthand reports. I have never taken one. I just want to be clear on the record for that. I've never taken a firsthand report on this, but I have heard secondhand account reports, and I have talked to spe- uh, specific people that are pretty much, um, if you could use the word expert in a cryptozoological uh, format where you're as Bigfoot is involved, this person would be an expert. Now, just for the record, I don't believe there's such a thing as an expert in the paranormal cryptid world. Because you can't prove anything, does that? So I don't want to sound like I think that's um, a, I think that's a healthy my own organization. Yeah, but no, I think that's a health. I think that's a healthy uh, position to take, Christian. Um, you know, it's the same thing with ghost hunting or whatever. I don't exactly. think there can be such a thing as an expert, just because we don't have any nope. solid answers to any questions. We have a lot of theories on all of these things, but we don't have solid. Uh, demonstrable answers that you can prove in a, in the scientific method way uh, that could make anybody an expert on any of these topics. There are, there are better thinkers than others who, uh, you know, have better theories and can support them in better ways. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily make them an expert. No. And that's, that's how we, that's how, when we investigate, I can learn something from anyone. It's, you know, and, and then again, this is my opinion, but if, if someone is offering you knowledge and you don't take it, then that's on you. But I can learn something from anyone. And, and if someone's willing to tell me the things they've encountered and, and how it happened and why it happened, I want to learn because that might help me in the future to help someone else. My whole goal is, you know, I'm, I'm driven for my own personal reasons, but my deep down, I want to help people because there are people that are being – I don't want to see plagued or terrorized, but they're having problems, all right, legitimate problems with legitimate phenomena that are not recognized. And I want to help these people. And my organization, that's what we want to do. We want to help people. We're not in it for the money. We don't sell anything. We don't make any money. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, uh, I lose probably six grand a year on this just Money, out of my own pocket. Yeah, money that you just, put into yeah. the effort to, to get answers, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. And yeah. and you know what? It's a passion. It's what I do. My wife is very well aware of it, you know, and, and it's it's just something that I do. Well, and you know, it's, some, it's some part of me. Some, and, people, uh, some people play a lot of golf. Some people spend money on, you know, horses or race cars or whatever it happens to be. Yours is a, is a pursuit of knowledge. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and and that's what, you know, and thank you for saying that because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, think, oh, you're wasting your time and things like that. I don't see it that way. And, and you know, I, I do golf, too, so there's that, too. And i got to throw that in there. But I spend more time in the woods looking for big things than I do on the greens. But, uh, and, which is, and my game shows it, incidentally. But um, back to back to the, the burial rights I was talking about. I'm sorry. It's, sometimes I get sidetracked because there's just so much. I, I, like, I just like talking about this so much. Um, I think the type twos are the cannibalistic type. And I think what happens is if one of them dies, they eat it. And there was a very interesting report. There's been several, but the the one I thought was really interesting, there was a gentleman about eight years ago uh, in the Pacific Northwest, and he was hunting. And uh, one of a type two uh, uh, Bigfoot had located him in a tree and was coming after him. 
and I think he had a 30 odd six, and he shot the thing in the head, and it just it killed, it died. But when it hit the ground, uh, the rest of his, I guess what we what you call tribe, there was five of them. They came around, uh, they grabbed him, and they immediately started ripping him apart and smashing his uh, remains into trees, into basically turning into pulp and eating it. Now, if that's the case, then that is a good example of why you don't find a whole lot of remains. Okay, but You've they got, wouldn't be able to devour bones that quickly. Um, no, no, no. But if you, I mean, what they do is they, they literally smash it. Uh, they, they take the body, they rip it apart, and they smash it into trees until it's basically a, a pulp. And then they consume it. So they, so now, they, so then they, they um, crush the bones to the point where they can yes. consume the bones? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yes. So they basically there's no sol- there's no solidity uh, there's no solidification left it's it's basically it's it's a uh, I guess you could call it a Bigfoot hot dog I mean that's that's kind of gross that's kind of gross <laughs> it, I, I was going for gross I was just trying I was shocked about you brother that's all I'm trying to do but that's kind of what you know they do. Yeah, but yeah, let's say, and that's, let's you know, specific let's, to type two and specific to type threes, from what I've been told. Okay, let's let's and, uh, let's assume for a second that uh, type ones have this burial. Uh, ritual or whatever, they, and they bury their dead, and they bury it quickly. And let's assume yeah. the type twos and type threes do exactly what you just outlined um, with their dead. Um, you know, we have very, as humans, we have very, very specific rules about what you can do with a corpse with a dead body. Um, the, and and we have burial rituals, and we have burial uh, processes. Um, but you still will f- could find, uh, you know, a human skeleton. Out in the woods, it happens all the time, whether it's from a nefarious act or whether it's from somebody getting lost in the woods and dying alone, um, you know, there, or, or an accident. There are a lot of ways that a, uh, you know, a human skeleton can be found where mm-hmm. it shouldn't be. It seems like we would find one of these for a Bigfoot-type creature. Somewhere, somehow, we would stumble upon one. And that's the big, that's the tough nut to crack, don't you think? Well, let me ask you. Well, I agree with you, but let me ask you something, my friend. Think about this. Let's just say you got. Let's just say you and I are on the woods hunting, and we're good guys. We're stand-up guys. We we pay our permits. We wear the right collective clothing, and we stumble upon these remains that we, as just laymen, people that don't have any anthropological experiences, not doctors, and other common sense. Let's just say we find a real large set of bones. And we're thinking, hey, that's that's got to be some big dude. You know what? We need to call the police and get them out there. Well, let's just say an investigator comes out and he sees it, and he calls it in. Do you not think there would be a some some type of agency that okay. would be alerted to uh, this particular find? Okay. So then, what, then if we're following that logic, then what you're saying here uh-huh. is that yeah, these things have been found. But they are quickly uh, consumed by um, whatever dark government forces are we're pointing the finger at here. So, in other words, if you and I reported it, once the authorities get involved, it's going to disappear. That's my. I believe that. Okay. Yes. That that's you know that's and a simply fair position. because I, I honestly believe that, and I can do you one better because I have a theory about that. If 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 you want me to go into that, I'd be sure. more than happy to too, um, because it to me it makes sense. If you look at the historic record on how the United States was basically carved up as far as national park systems, do you remember what particular president did that? It was Roosevelt. Exactly. What did Roosevelt write about in his book, The Wilderness Hunter? That I don't know. We're talking about Teddy Roosevelt, of course. Yeah, we're talking about Teddy Rex. Teddy Roosevelt was the first one to openly print about the Bauman incident, where in two hunters in Montana, I believe it was Montana, where his ran not too far from off of one of his ranches, uh, one of uh, one of which was killed by a Bigfoot, and the other one witnessed it and ran. And the guy that uh, told Teddy Rex about this is uh, his name was Bauman, and Teddy believed him so much that he actually put it in his book. Now, I personally think that the government has known about these creatures for years. And I also think they perceive them not as a great threat, 
Why and, would they care? Why would they cover it up if it's if it's a flesh and blood creature roaming well, in the woods? Why would they cover where, that up where versus anything? Get t- tricky. And again, what I'm about to say is just my opinion. So I don't, you know, I, I'm I'm a very I'm a very devout uh, person. I'm, I'm a very you know spiritual religious man. So what I'm about to say, you know, I don't want anyone to think I'm being um, non-Christian, but. Think about the religious implications if we find that Bigfoot has our DNA and has pretty much the same building blocks as us, and we are indeed his closer relative. Therefore, would you classify it as a subhuman or a human? And if you do that, and then you get the religious principles in there, God made man in his own image, therefore, by that logic, God made Bigfoot. In his own image, so God, man, and Bigfoot are all one now. Do you Did, see where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, but didn't we see cross how the religious implications would get? Didn't we cross that bridge with evolution to begin with, and with you know uh, the yeah, but not connection everyone, to not everyone and, believes in that. That's the difference. So if you do that, then then you're going to have to stir up that whole thing. You're going to have a lot of religious issues. Now you're going to have to get to the aspect of now are they an endangered species? And what do we do with that? So if indeed Bigfoot's an endangered species and his habitat just happens to be pretty much all the national park systems and the forestry around there, what happens to that economic opportunity, the renewable resources of forest, the forestry industry? And How course, much is that worth to you? And of course, Christian, so, I, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate with a lot of these questions of I because these are things that we hear from you know other folks who have a lot of doubts mm-hmm. about these topics that we talk about, whether they're Bigfoot or aliens or whatever it happens to be. So we like to, we like to cover these questions. But tell me, let's back this whole thing up a bit. Um, where, how did you get started? Where, where did your interest, particularly in Bigfoot, come from? Well, um, I have... Uh, good question. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in uh, uh, northern Appalachia, and uh, my grandfather... And my cousin and I went for a walk one day uh, behind our property. And uh, my grandfather was a real cool guy. He was a, a World War II pilot, um, and he was just, he was just a real neat guy. And after World War II, he spent the year in Alaska. And uh, at that point, uh, the family folklore starts to get a little Irished up. I'll explain that in a minute. But um, uh, when he came back, uh, he had he had seen some things and he never discussed it. Uh, anyway, while uh, my grandfather and my cousin and I were walking in the woods, uh, we saw this massive footprint in the mud. I'll never forget it. And I was, I was five or six. I mean, any, any footprint was big, but this thing was a bare foot. And my grandfather just looked at it and, you know, the blood drained from his face. And, uh, he used to smoke, uh, unfiltered cigarettes I can't remember if they were Camel or I think they were Lucky Strikes, but he used to have it on his lip all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Like he was one of those guys that could yeah, talk sure. and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, my dad and was I remember, one too. Yeah. And I remember that falling as he was looking at this footprint, and he just grabbed me and my cousin, and he started looking around. And he literally was carrying us, under one, one, of, under each, one of us under each arm, and he was walking. He'd stop every 15, 20 feet and just start looking around. And he did this all the way back home, and then he grabbed my dad and my uncles that just happened to be in the kitchen, and he took a, he took them in the other room, and being a nosy little brat, uh, I went and eavesdropped. And I remember him asking my dad what size caliber firearms he had. Did he have a 12-gauge loaded? What was, and my dad's like, no, I only have this. And he goes, what the hell's wrong? I, I remember, there was a whole conversation. And the reason I remember that is because I remember my grandfather slapping my dad and my uncle in the back of the head for sassing him. And I just thought it was funny that my dad's dad was straightening him out. I know that sounds kind of corny, but I just it's one of those few things, you know, it's one no, of those, yeah, those memories you have. Yeah, these are landmark things that happen in our right. childhood that really start to establish the foundation from which we, we build our curiosities and our interests. Exactly. And uh, I remember him specifically saying, you have a big problem. You have the boss of the woods out there. Hmm. And I had no idea what that meant, but I remembered hearing the phrase for years uh, afterwards, uh, or I remember the, the phrase in my head years afterwards. And unfortunately, not too long after that, he he uh, 
he died. And uh, I never got to explain this kind of, you know, I, I never got to listen to his explanation of what the boss of the woods was oh, or anything wow. like that. It wasn't until years later, and I was reading uh, about Bigfoot and the different monikers he has, and there it was, boss of the woods, and all of a sudden, it all clicked. I was like, son of a gun. Because I remember the footprint. Yeah. Or my, you know, and he, and then I remember he spent a year in Alaska. So I can only imagine what he ran into out there. So as you, so that's kind of how it all started. Yeah, as you started to uh, get an interest in this, I'm not exactly sure how old you are, but I know that my first exposure to much of this was through a television show called In Search of. In Search of. Yeah, with In Le- Search of, brother. Yeah. Uh, the Leonard Nimoy Bigfoot In Search of is yes. on my favorites in my YouTube channel, yes. and when I start feeling. Uh, a little lost for wear or a little worse for wear and, and feeling like I'm not going anywhere uh, with this or I don't have enough research or it's just kind of stagnant, I watch that because <laughs> it always inspires me. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I, that was that was honestly in search of is, is probably, I, I've got to say it's probably a landmark show for anyone invested in the cryptids or the paranormal or the supernatural. I think uh, Leonard Nimoy probably did more for us than he did as Spock. Being the uh, host of In Search of, I think you're. I think that's a fair assessment, um, and I and I cannot tell you the number of people who are now uh, rather accomplished in their field, whatever it happens to be. And there are many fields that this touched on who cite In Search of as being the uh, beginning of their interest. Seeing you know, what's funny is I've I've been trying to get that theme for like a phone ringer for years. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't get the recording right. <laughs> That's, that's yeah, that's cool. And they they they've just recently resurrected that program with a different, obviously a different host. Uh, and I tried to watch it a couple times, and I just can't. I just can't get my arms around it. For some it's reason. not the same. And uh, our our mutual friend was on it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just uh, you know, and I I was I was happy to watch it for him. But the truth of the matter is, it just wasn't the same. And I think Zachary Quinto he did a good job, but he's not Spock. You know, yeah, he, it just. He's not, and and the other thing is that uh, you know Leonard Nimoy when he hosted the program he didn't make the pro- the program wasn't about him he just narrated it. Yeah. He, but his voice you know it's just he just again anything he did was just awesome. I was yeah. a huge Leonard yeah. Nimoy fan. I, you know I'm an old Trekkie. I used to when I was a kid uh, growing up we didn't have uh, cable because uh, they didn't have it so we just had the old rabbit ears. Sure, yeah. And there was very few things I could watch on like TV. One of them was. Uh, the old school Doctor Who with Tom Baker, oh, who's yeah. a hero of mine, my mm-hmm. personal hero, Tom Baker, uh, the old Doctor. Uh, it's funny because I've got a signed picture of him on my desk right now. And uh, in search of, and the old Star Treks, and like the the original TV show Buck Rogers. Isn't, to, isn't it amazing to, that when you only had three or four channels to choose from, in some cases maybe a half dozen channels to choose from, you could always find something to watch. Now we have 500 channels to choose from, and we can never find anything to watch. You know what's really funny as you say that is my wife and I, you know, we we, we have a a good sized place and we've got the computers and the TVs and we were just last week we canceled the cable because we had all these channels. Yeah. It was all the same stuff and all we do anyways watch Netflix. So it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like, Do you wanna even do this? And she's like, Nope, cancel it. So the yeah, I, said cancel it and we canceled it. That's the way. It's the way of the world. This cord cutting thing is is real, and it is uh, it's it's happening at a faster and faster pace. So as you as you started to develop this interest, and you and you um you know took it from from more than just a casual curiosity to something that you spend a great deal of time with. Do you, are, do you consider yourself more of a field investigator or an academic researcher? Or a theorist, um, or all of the above. I, you know what, I have my own. You know what we do is we call ourselves uh, cryptid and paranormal detectives, and here's why: because we do the research first, and then we do the investigating. Mm-hmm. So we we do both. We're, we're both academic and boots on the ground types. Um, and here's why I say that: when we go, we we have several, uh, what, for lack of a better phrase, hot spots that we check out on separate times uh, and different times of the year because I, I have a theory about their migration patterns, and it's it's been pretty accurate over the last couple of years. But what we do is we research that area. What was it 100 years ago? Who owned it? Right. What happened there? And we do that not only with the cryptid but the paranormal. When someone has like, okay, hey, I think our house is haunted, before we even go there, we go back as far as we can in the historic record uh, we we pull original deeds. We look up the owner. I mean, we we spend hours, countless hours, 
researching things because we want to know our stuff. Um, you know, I had a, a dear friend tell me, he goes, if you want to be in this industry, you better know your, you, you know, know your stuff because the second you don't know it, someone's going to call you on it and you're going to look like a schmuck. So always know your stuff. So if you can go into like a, uh, an area and know more about that area than the owners or the park rangers or the people that live out there, you're doing good because you have an idea of what was here, what once, you know, thrived in this area, how it kind of got to be where it is and what used to be hunted here, things like that. Like we'll go in there and see if there was ever, you know, specific areas like elk or deer, things like that. Just because if we know that, then we know there's a food source and then, you know, if there's a food source and there's probably a predatorial source, things like that. So it, it all kind of falls into place. Am I, am I making myself clear on that or am I just kind of stuttering or no, mumbling? No, no, I just wanna, that makes okay. sense. Sure. That makes sense. You keep using, so it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Finish. I, in, in other words, if you know as much as possible about every specific thing you get involved with, I think the better off you are. You keep saying we. Um, I know you have no, a group I'm and sorry. a team. Yeah. Uh, who, how, what's your team made up of? Uh, how many people? And uh, It varies. Um, I've probably got 12 members, uh, but uh, I do most of my investigation with my buddy. His name's Tiny. Uh, Tiny's a, he's an interesting character. Uh, if you were to catch a Bigfoot shave him and put glasses on him, that's what Tiny looks like. Uh, <laughs> I think his mama was in the woodshed with a Sasquatch, but I won't say it to his face because wow. it won't kill me. Okay. But he's uh, he's one of the greatest guys there in the world. Uh, he's actually paranormally gifted. I have uh, been in, in paranormal situations where we have actually, I've actually seen uh, dark entities just disappear from him. I mean, they, he comes in the room, and they vanish. I mean, they'll they'll go to the four corners. I've seen it. So he's kind of gifted. He's uh, he's not like an empath, but he's uh, he's very supernaturally sensitive. And uh, he's also from uh, Eastern Tennessee, and if you can get the guy to wear shoes, uh, you're lucky. So <laughs> it's just uh, I've got an amalgamation of people I work with, and I'm a very blessed Do you, man. Does the team change depending on what the target of the investigation is? Sometimes, uh, it, but mostly, uh, you know, if we need more people, there's there's always people I can call, and I've got. I'm very lucky in the fact that I'm affiliated with different organizations in different states that uh, I'm very close with. So um, my, one of my issues uh, that I've been having, though, is uh, when I started Asheville Cryptid Paranormal Society, uh, I didn't think that I would get phone calls from outside of this area in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And what's been happening, uh, and I, I, again, I feel like I'm very blessed, and it, it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's the people that I'm around, and, and uh, I think the people that I've been able to help but word of mouth is is is, uh, is a wonderful thing, and uh, we get people from all over the country wanting help. And and one of the few things they tell me is, you know, um, I wasn't sure if I could call you because it said Asheville Cryptid Paranormal. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep Asheville Cryptid Paranormal is one of the names, but we're going to put that under the umbrella of American Cryptid Paranormal, and we're in the process of doing that. But I'm always going to have Asheville Cryptid Paranormal on something. It's just going to be under the umbrella of American Cryptid Paranormal. We're probably just going to put that on the website just so people know that we're not just located in one area. But, uh, again, it's just been one of those things where we've – I mean, last week I got – I was getting phone calls from upstate New York. Oh, really? About some issues. So, I mean, it's just – it's been one of those things. So, again, I, I, and I'm not – I feel very, very, very fortunate. But uh, I, no reason why I say that just to let people know that if they ever find us in – it's and you see American Cryptid Paranormal. It's still the same organization. It's just going to be that's going to be an umbrella name we're going to use. We um we're going to run out of time here in just a few minutes, and then we're going to have you back Thursday night, and we're going to pick up on a lot of the topics that we haven't talked about. But I need to know. Um, you mentioned having have, having had a dogman sighting. Let's save that for Thursday. How about Bigfoot sightings? Have you had any personal have, encounters yeah. with Bigfoot? I have not, but. I have been growled at um, to the point where, and I don't want to sound vile or disgusting, but I had had a little bit of a chest cold, but I got growled at, and the growl was so forceful that it actually loosened phlegm in my chest. Um, We had just found a a 21-and-a-half-inch by 11-inch footprint 
and they were six and a half, seven feet apart, and we were following that up a hill. Uh, if you go on my website, com, you'll see the pictures. Um, the one thing we do is we post everything we find, and it's one of these things, this is possible, you decide. You know, it's, it's, I don't ever tell anyone, hey, this is definitely what it is, because there's that small possibility it's something else. But um, that was a time where uh, I, I think I was running into one, uh, and if I hadn't stopped and turned around, I think it would have probably been uh, a bad situation for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have not physically seen one, no, but I have been growled at. And then um, I got the, the opportunity to be on a, uh, a TV show with a, a guy named Cliff Simon. He's, he's, uh, he's got a new TV show out, and for life I can't think of the title. Uh, Into the Unknown, something like that. But uh, we did some filming and uh, we got infrasound, we got screamed at, uh, we had things being, uh, getting thrown in our general direction, and uh, that, that was another pretty much close call. Um, but uh, that, that, that feeling you get when you know that there's just a much bigger presence out there than you, that's very humbling. And uh, you may not have to, you, you don't have to have uh, it in your sights to know it's there. Does that make sense? It does. Um, a, a question has scrolled through chat a couple times here, and I just want to make sure I ask it before I forget it. Uh, we had talked about the different types of Bigfoot. You classified mm-hmm. them, Patty, uh, type 2, type 3. Uh, are there books on that particular topic that you're aware of? Anything you recommend? Um, well, you know, there, yes, there are. Um, there's Us and Them. There's a book called Us and Them. And it's that's that's a book about you know different relic different relic hominids and uh, the, the possible missing link. Um, there's you know I I am a firm uh, I like Jeff Meldrum Dr Jeff Meldrum, his books are are very good uh, and you know he's world renowned uh, Sasquatch guy I, I don't know if he goes by the moniker ex, expert or not but he's he's a very well known uh, he, he's a professor of uh, I think locomotion in, in Iowa State. Uh, uh, bipedal locomotion in primates, and uh, he's he's uh, he's really good. Um, I really uh, I get a lot of my research uh, from old newspaper articles, uh, and realistically, the best research or or the best way to find research on cryptids, and this is once more this is just my opinion, is uh, Native American folklore. Um, the Native Americans have been in this country for 14,000 years. They have learned how to deal with these creatures. They have different names for these creatures. They know what they have to do to uh, thrive and survive with these creatures. So only a fool does not listen to the Native Americans when it comes to dealing with the unknown. And uh, that that would be a definite blanket statement. I I definitely believe that. I think if the, uh, the information that the Native Americans have on cryptids is just the best resource there is. So that's that's where I get most of my information, and I'm I'm very lucky because uh, uh, I, I have uh, I've had some friends that have uh, been very uh, forthcoming with information for me. How active is in that area? How active is the area you're in, the Asheville, North Carolina area, with regards to cryptid activity? <clears throat> it's pretty active. Uh, I, I think we had 19 reports last year. Are they all Bigfoot or uh, other things as well? Uh, no. Uh, there was about uh, – it was probably uh, 11 Bigfoot, uh, 8 Dogman. Oh, really? That many Dogman? I, I did. Yeah, I wow. have a lot of Dogman reports up here. Uh, I'm a firm believer. We can talk about this Thursday. We can talk about the migration patterns, yeah, and yeah. I also have a, a cryptid cave theory. There, uh, there's a, a, a cave system, and I believe that cryptids use that a lot. Uh, um, just uh, just a quick question here about this cave system. Does it have anything to do with the mammoth cave system? Yes, it does, because I think they're all connected. Interesting. Okay, that'll be, that'll be great for you, a discussion. And our, our mutual friend, uh, Joshua P. Warren, he actually got me started thinking about that about five years ago. Really? Uh, you know, he's, Josh is one of those guys where he just kind of... He's, he's one of those guys, like, when I have a problem or something like this, I ask him, I'm like, what do you think of this? And he's he's like... He's got that ability to look at things from that different lens and, and give you that clear thought process. Yeah. So, I, you know, again, that's just another reason why I feel so uh, blessed and lucky is just I've been able to have um, such great people around me 
and, and helping me out. And it's like, you know, um, I feel very, very honored to be on your show uh, because, you know, you, you, you've got a great show and you always have cool guests. And it's just kind of kind of cool to be on this end. So I, I do thank you very much for having me. Well, you've given, given a lot of great perspective. And, of course, I don't have to mention it again, but I will. Uh, we appreciate you coming on last minute. But we are going to have you back Thursday. We're going to get into a lot more than this. We've basically stuck to uh, the Bigfoot conversation tonight, but you've got a lot more to talk about, and we'll open up those topics uh, Thursday night when we have you back on and we've got the full show with you. Definitely. I'm looking very forward to it. In the meantime, people want to learn more about what you're up to and maybe do a little homework before Thursday night's show. Where would they go? Uh, everything is on our website. It's Ashford Cryptal. Option, Cryptal. <laughs> Sorry. <it's late. laughs> Ashford Cryptid and Paranormal Society.com. Um, we also uh, do a podcast called Beyond Fringe, and all of the podcasts are on the website. Uh, a lot of our information is on the website. Our bios are on the website. You can see pictures of Tiny, and you guys can tell me if he doesn't look like a Bigfoot with a haircut or not. Um, so you tell me what you think. Sounds and, good. And uh, feel so- free to email us or contact us. Uh, our phone number is 828-407-0046. And if you guys have a story or if anyone needs any help or you have any questions, feel free to contact us. That's perfect. Christian, thanks so much for being here. We will talk to you not tomorrow night, but the night after. Looking forward to that, too. I am looking forward to it. Thank you again so much for having me. I'm honored. We're going to go to our phone lines. This is somebody who used to call all the time, who we haven't had in a while, and I think it's the amazing Faki. Is this the amazing Faki? Is it? Hello, Jason, JV? Yeah, this this is it's JV. Jason isn't here, uh, Faki. Uh, oh, is that why you called me? Um. I didn't call you. In fact, uh, it was you that called me, uh, Faki. Anyway, I keep hearing you having psychics on the show, and Mm -hmm. I realized I hadn't been on in a while, so I thought I would schedule myself to come on. Um, You were going to schedule yourself by by calling into the show? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Isn't that that what all of your featured special guests do? Uh, Well, the special guests, we actually put on the calendar, and we set it up ahead of time, and we make sure... Anyway, I had put a notice on Instasnap, and uh, I had people send you questions for me to do readings tonight. Did you get those? Oh, wait a minute. Um, Yeah, I wondered why Slick Eddie was getting all those emails. Um, In fact, we didn't really know what it was about. So so I'm here to do a few of those readings. So wait a minute. You want me to read these questions? Yes, JV. Yes, please. I thought you were a professional. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, hmm. Uh, Slick, do we have those? On the on the screen, uh, can you pull them up here for me? Uh, just a couple. We're not. Yeah, we're not going. We're not going to do a, a ton of them. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll we'll try uh, doing this for you, Faki. But this is kind of unusual. You normally you have to set this up in advance. So um, let's uh, let's see. Let's go with the first one here. And I'm reading it, and it says um, this is from Janet, and Janet is in New Mexico, and it reads, "I lost my job." As part of the lockdowns, will I ever get back to called back to work after this is all over? Hmm, let's see. My guides tell me um, outlook not so good. Outlook not so good. That's it. That's 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 the reading. That's what you're going to do. Yes. Do you, yes. Do you have another one for me, JV? Um. Okay. Uh, this one's from. Let's see here. This is Tom. In Illinois, and Tom says, we lost our family dog last week, and uh, we can still feel his presence. Can you tell me if Harper, that's the name of the dog, is still around us because it feels as though he is? Hmm. Let's see. My guides tell me, ask again later. What? Next. No, wait, 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 wait. Ask again later? Gee, I can't control what the guides tell me. Um... I know you can't, well, all right, by the way, just before we get to do the next one, what's that noise I keep hearing, like something shaking, like um, before you do each reading, what's that noise? What noise? The one that I hear before you do the readings, each time I hear, I've heard it both times. Oh, oh that, that's my magic ebony spirit guide communication sphere. Come on, JV, let's do another one, hurry up. Magic ebony spirit guide communication sphere. All right. Listen, um, we'll do one more, Faki. This one is from Sylvia in Florida. And it says, my family is spread out all over the world. My son is in Alaska and my daughter and her husband are in England. 
I have a sister who lives in Costa Rica, and my husband is deployed in the Middle East. I'm concerned about all of them for different reasons. Can you tell me if everyone will be safe, and will we be reunited sometime during 2020? If not all at the same time, will I at least be able to see them individually? Hmm, let's see. My guides say outlook not so good. Uh, that's, you've already done that. That one's been already well, done. Well, well, hang on. Let me try again. Hmm, let's see. My guides say don't count on it. Don't count on it. Well, hang on. Let me try again. It seems a bit, um... Outlook not so good. Yeah, we, Faki, we did that a couple of times. I mean... Uh, hold on. You may rely on it. You may rely on it. Uh, J.D., J.D., this has exhausted me. You know how much energy I expend when I do these readings. But you're the one... I need to go. But remember, I'm always here for you. I'm the amazing Faki. Yeah, but Faki, you're the one that wanted to do this. We didn't... Hello? Faki? (laughs) Well, um, I don't know. It's never... It's never normal when we get a call from the amazing Faki, but we haven't heard from him in quite some time. It was a little bit of a surprise to hear from him tonight. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.